Well, in the Bible, the word thanks or thankful or thanksgiving or the command to give thanks is found in both the Old and New Testaments. Psalm 97, 12, rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. Psalm 118.1, read it with me. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Psalm 92.1, read it with me. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Yes, it is. It's a good thing. A very good thing to give thanks to Almighty God. In fact, it's not just a good thing to do, it's the right thing to do. It is right to express our thanksgiving to the God who is so good to us. That's why Paul said this. Let's read together. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. God, God's will for his people is that we be a grateful people, a thankful people. And that we express our thanksgiving to Him through acts of faith in Him. In fact, folks, the the stronger our faith, the more we're going to want to thank Him. The stronger our faith, the more we're going to recognize who He is and what He's done for us. And the more that's going to lead us to an expression of thanksgiving to Him. And as we express our gratitude to our Heavenly Father through the life we live, that impacts the lives of others. You know, they say birds of a feather flock together, right? You know, that's an old adage. So if you're an old negative, grumbly person, you're probably going to have it. Let me tell you what you're going to do. If you're an old negative, grumbly, terrible, stinky attitude person that's a grumbler about everything, let me tell you what you're going to do. You're going to find a group up at Hardy's on, on the Monday morning to have coffee with. That's what you're going to do. You know? And so this is the lesson that we need to learn today. That we need to, as people of faith, we need to be thankful and express our thanksgiving to God every day through the life that we live before others, in hopes that our life of thanksgiving will impact others and help them see Jesus and be thankful to Him. Also, in the humble act of a poor widow, we find a powerful example for us as we continue our study of the people Jesus encountered, especially during this Thanksgiving period, And notice the gratitude that's in the heart of a a little widow lady from Luke chapter 21 as we continue person of interest. And let's stand together and honor God for a moment and just stand and and just allow His Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Just a couple verses. But listen to them and allow God to speak to you. Ready? And Jesus looked up and He saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites, like two pennies, you know, two little copper coins. So he said, 
Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all the rest. For all these out of their abundance have put in their offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. May God add his blessings to his word and speak to our hearts through it. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. And this is one of the most exciting times of the year for me. I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. And as we continue our study in these people Jesus encountered, we're going to see this season the people that had an impact on your earthly life and the way you touched their lives. And God, I pray, touch our lives today. May that Holy Spirit, we have been praying, we've been singing and worshiping and praying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Well, Holy Spirit, teach us something, each one of us. I pray that we've come hungry for your word and that you'll give us a message from heaven today, Lord, that would help us on earth to be the kind of people that can make a difference in the lives of others in a positive and godly way. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Now, the story of this widow and her offering actually began back in chapter 20. Remember when the Bible was written, there were no chapters and verse divisions. You understand it was just a long narrative here, a long story. So, but it's so to get the context for chapter 21 and the story of this widow, we need to go back to chapter 20 and get a little bit of this, the end of this chapter to understand what, Jesus, what is happening here uh, at the temple. And they're in the temple in Jerusalem. Look, look with me at verse 45. Starting there. Then in the hearing of all the people, Jesus said to his disciples, they're in the temple, he's teaching here, and you know, the temple was a place to worship, to sacrifice, and it was a, a place of prayer, and it was a place of teaching, too. Synagogues they taught, but here they're at the temple in Jerusalem. And everybody's coming here for for various reasons, but to worship God, and Jesus says to all the people that are listening to him. Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers, these will receive greater condemnation. Now the scribes were people who copied the scriptures. In the, in the Bible, you see a different kinds of, of uh, titles. You see the priests who worked in the temple, uh, offered the sacrifices, maintained the temple. You see the scribes who copied scriptures. Remember, they didn't have printing presses. So everything we have is due to scribes, copying the scriptures and passing them down. And then we see Pharisees, and they were, the, the, the Pharisees were a group, a sect of people like the Essenes who gave us the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Pharisees were, they were a group of people who tried to maintain a strict adherence to the law. The Pharisees and scribes, they were supposed to teach people to honor God's law, the Old Testament law. They were supposed to do that. They were supposed to be 
teachers, instructors in the law of God. They were so supposed to teach and oftentimes they did but they were supposed to teach by example and oftentimes they didn't so this is what Jesus is saying he's saying beware of the scribes excuse me beware of the scribes who desire to go around in these long robes and uh, and love greetings in the marketplaces uh, uh, love the best seats in the synagogues, the best places that feast. These people, they want to be exalted. They want to be lifted up. As leaders, they should have been concerned for the caring of the spiritual needs of the people, but as Jesus said, they were more concerned about their prestige and power over the people. There's an expression, absolute power corrupts absolutely, and here they were, corrupt. Jesus said, they devour widows' houses. Let's just say, for instance, that <coughs> excuse me, these, these religious leaders, scribes, Pharisees, let's say a, a widow, her husband dies. Now, in, in Bible times, when a, widow, when a husband died and left a widow, she, that was all the money she had, whatever he left her. She, couldn't earn any, she didn't earn any more money, couldn't own property. So all she had was what her husband left her. And these scribes and Pharisees would pounce upon that situation. Some of them would, and they would become the executors of the state. And a lot of times they would cheat those poor widows out of what they had. And Jesus said, they devour widows' houses. So here they are, these people that are supposed to be the religious leaders in Israel. What they were doing, they were setting very bad example for the people. In fact, they were cheating people. They were leading them by their own example down the wrong path. Now, as a display of their authority, they wore long, elaborate robes in public. They had their own assigned seats in the synagogue. They, uh, and you better not get in their seat. They prayed long prayers as if they cared for the needs of the people. But Jesus saw through their facade, and he said, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes and love greetings in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the best places at the feast, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. That's why the scribes and Pharisees hated Jesus so much, because Jesus said of them, Be wary of them. Be wary of what you see them do. These are not real people of faith. Their faith is phony. F folks, listen. We might can deceive people. We might can pull the wool over the eyes of people, but we can never deceive Jesus. He knows exactly what's in our hearts. He knows what each one of us is thinking right now. In the Old Testament, when the prophet Samuel was looking over Jesse's sons for the next king of Israel, God told Samuel, looking over, look over Jesse's sons, I'm going to choose the next king to replace old evil king Saul. And Jesse's looking at Je or, or Samuel the prophet is looking at Jesse's fine, strong, young men. And God kept saying, no, not this one, not that one, not that one, not that one. Finally, he said, 
Jesse said, you got any more? He said, well, my little David boy, he's out there. My little son David's out there watching my sheep. Well, bring him in. He comes in. God said, that's the one. Samuel said, but look at him. <laughs> and God said, Samuel, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. God knows what we're all about, folks. He knows. God knows exactly what we're thinking, the motivation behind every word and action, he always knows it. Each time a scribe or Pharisee stood up and made a long prayer, God knew what was in his heart. Each time a scribe or Pharisee grabbed the best seat in the synagogue, God knew what was in his heart. It was not that the Pharisees and scribes corrupted the law because the law of God was holy. The problem was one of the heart. The law which they taught with their mouths was not really hidden deep in their hearts and having an impact on their lives. They did not practice what they preached. So Jesus told the people in Matthew 23, 3, Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do. But do not do according to their works, because they say and do not do. Now, that's a real shame, isn't it? It's a shame when people try to teach others to do what's right and they themselves live wrongly. Jesus called them hypocrites. You know, when you, when you talk big but act small, that's a hypocrite. And may I say that we're probably all at some point guilty of some hypocrisy. But there are some people who are masters at it. They, they practice deceit like the Pharisees did. They used religion to their advantage. Now, have you ever heard anything like that? You know, corrupt people using the name of God to get votes or make themselves look better than someone else. That was the Pharisees, and Jesus called them out on it. You know, I wonder if there are people like that today. I wonder if there are modern-day Pharisees who complain constantly about the shortcomings of others, but they they never see their own faults. Um, a Pharisee, I've known people like this, listen, and you have too. I've known people who claim to be Christians but who complain about everything and everyone. I've known people who had a lot of money but wouldn't help anyone or who gave hardly anything as an offering to God. And I've known people who gave a lot to a church and because of the amount they gave, they thought they could treat people any way they wanted to, run the church the way they want it to be run, you see. That's why Jesus pointed out the Pharisees and the scribes and then the widow. Because she was in, con in stark contrast to their pride and hypocrisy. Verses 1 and 2. And Jesus looked up. He's talking now. He's teaching the people. And Jesus, he had just told them about the hypocrisy of the scribes. And he looked up and he saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he sees two different kinds. He'd already pointed out the scribes and their hypocrisy. Now he sees this little widow. In Bible times, the life, as I said, the life of a widow was very difficult. Her, when her, with her husband's death, there went her support. The only thing she had was what her husband left her or the 
or her children. And the scriptures, the Old Testament law commanded that widows be taken care of, that if she had grown children, they were to take her in and take care of her. The only thing she had was what her husband left her, her family if she had any, and the goodwill of her community, and of course the grace of God. This widow coming into the temple in the middle, in the middle of all these rich people, they were rich. These Pharisees and scribes, as I said, they were rich people, you know. She was grateful to God. And how do I know? Because she showed it through her gift at the temple, her gift to God. She gave as, as an expression of her thanksgiving. When she put her offering in the temple treasury, she was really giving her life and her love to God. The inner temple in Jerusalem had three courts. The, the easternmost court was the court of the women and contained the temple treasury. And there the Jews put their offerings to be used for temple maintenance and also for community needs, whatever the priests thought it ought to be used for. On the west side of the court of women was a large gate and 15 steps leading up to the court of Israel where only men could, could ascend. Now, around the court of the women, there, were this, these col there was a colonnade, and against the wall, there were these collection boxes. You know, like we have ushers with plates at the door. Well, they had boxes to drop in their offering. And these boxes were shaped like trumpets. They had a wide mouth and, you know, it went down a little narrower. And people would drop in their offerings in these uh, boxes, in these collection boxes. Thirteen chests to collect the temple offerings as people went through. As men passed through the court of women to get to the court of men, they'd drop in their offerings in the trumpet-like receptacles. Now, it was here that Jesus saw, in the court of women, a widow woman putting in her offerings and then pointed her out to his disciples. Well, what was it that caught the attention of Jesus? It was the expression of her love for God through her sacrificial offering of thanksgiving. This woman was giving everything she had. Isn't that what Jesus said? Jesus said, that's right. Jesus said she put in more than they all because she gave everything to God. She gave everything. Dr. Daryl Bach said, Sometimes little gifts cost a great deal more than big gifts do. And their merit is in the sacrifice they represent. In fact, real giving happens when one gives sacrificially. In contrast to the scribe's pride and hypocrisy, stands this woman who has sacrificed out of her life to honor God. So Jesus says, Beware of the scribes, but follow this widow. And I love this. Look at this last, last sentence he said. When God measures the life of service, he does not just count, he weighs. Let that sink in. Jesus weighed this widow's gift by the sacrifice she was making. 
She had no income. She had nothing but the two little coins she placed in the treasury. She must have truly been grateful to God. She could just as easily have been bitter and selfish and angry, right? I mean, life was hard for her. How could this woman, this widow, she has lost everything. Jesus said she put in everything. All her living. How could she have a thankful, grateful heart to God when God took her husband? She has nothing left. This is the last money she has. She gave. How could she be so thankful? How could she be grateful? How could she, could she give a gift of thanksgiving? Have you ever known anyone who was ungrateful? I mean, really. And that ingratitude shows up in their attitudes and actions constantly. You know, nobody wants to be around a stingy complainer. In my lifetime, I've known people who had little or no friends because no one wanted to be around them. Their attitude was always negative. Nothing could make them happy. They always found fault with something or someone. For them, the glass was always half empty, not half full. That was the scribes and the Pharisees. When Jesus stood, stood before them in bonds, the priests, the scribes, the Pharisees, the sand, making the Jewish high court, the Sanhedrin, they accused Jesus. They condemned Jesus. They found fault with Jesus. Isaiah painted a picture for us, Isaiah 53. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he, Jesus, opened not his mouth. Matthew said, now the chief priests, the elders, and all the council sought false testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Even though many false witnesses came forward, they found none. But at last, two false witnesses came forward in the high priest, and they said, well, the one thing he did say, he'll tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. That's not what he was talking about. He was not talking about the Jerusalem temple. He was talking about his own body rising from the dead. But they accused him of that. And so the high, Jesus didn't answer anything. So the high priest, and then Jesus said, the high priest said, tell us, are you the Christ, the Messiah? And Jesus said, well... It's, it's just like you say, and one day you're going to see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great glory. And the high priest next, the high priest arose and said, Do you answer nothing? What is it these men testify against you? He ripped his clothes. He was angry at what Jesus said. And then they spat in his face and they beat him and others struck him with the palms of their hands. Can you imagine that scene? The holy Lord of all standing in the middle of these self-righteous hypocrites and these, these men. And power, Jesus powerful enough to destroy the world. And yet he stood silent, un, unwavering in his commitment to die for our sins. These were the priests and Pharisees which we see at the temple teaching the law and collecting their precious offerings. Rich and powerful, yet when weighed on God's scales... They come up empty. How different from the little grateful woman who is giving all she had to God. Jesus said to his disciples, Do you see that poor widow in the midst of those rich Pharisees? 
Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she, out of her poverty, put in, put in what? All the livelihood that she had. How much did she give? Everything. But it was only two mites. I mean, come on now. Two mites, two mites, two small coins, two, the smallest of coins. You know what? It was worth about one one hundredth of a denarius, worth about five minutes, five minutes of labor. That's what it was worth. That's what she gave. The other people put in thousands of dollars. She puts in like two cents, you know, maybe a little more than that, but two cents. That widow gave such a little amount by the standards of the world, but by God's standards, Jesus said she gave more than all the rest. Because Jesus said all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God, but she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. That, this widow, you see, gave her last money to God. She, did, she couldn't expect anymore. That was all she had. She gave everything. And so did Jesus. He gave everything for us. On the cross, Jesus suffered, bled, and died in agony so that we could be forgiven and brought into a love relationship with God. If Jesus had not given everything, there would be no hope for us of heaven. Someone had to die. Someone had to be punished and die for our sins. Somebody had to die for your sins. It would be you dying a million times in the punishment in hell, or it would be someone taking your place. And Jesus took your place. On the cross, He became you. And He, he gave everything for you because He loved you. He put Himself in the hands of a holy and just heavenly Father. And He said, I die for you. And He you could call your name out because that's the one. Me. Donnie Lovett. He died for us. He gave everything for us so that we could be the sons and daughters of God. And folks, if Jesus would, give, would freely give everything for us, how much should we give Him? Everything. All. And we should give God everything with a grateful heart and attitude. Amen? Again, Paul said, let's read it. Let's, in, come on, you ready? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, in the service of a most gracious Savior, there should never be a complaint from one of His children about how much we have to give. No, not ever. There should never be one complaint on our lips when it comes to serving Jesus. Not one. 
But that's not the attitude today, is it? No, the attitude even among Christians is, but surely God cannot expect me to get up early on Sunday morning when I've had a tough week. It's my only day to sleep in. Surely God doesn't expect me to talk to people I don't like in the first place. Surely God doesn't want me to be a part of a group of people that get on my nerves. Surely going to church once a month is enough. I mean, why do I need to do anything else? Surely God doesn't expect me to give money to the church when I, I use my mind and energy for God already. I, I don't want to have to go to that practice and take another hour of my time. I just can't work with that person, not even at church. Why should I give 10% of my income to church when I could use it for other things? I don't like anyone trying to make me commit to something I don't want to do. I, I might like this. God, I might do this for you, but I really don't like it. God, what you're asking of me is just too hard. What do you think about that kind of attitude? Is that the attitude of a grateful person or an ungrateful person? It's the attitude of the Pharisees, the scribes, who rejected Jesus' calls to deny themselves and follow him. We cannot follow Jesus with an ungrateful heart because the ungrateful heart just will not let us follow Jesus. An ungrateful heart is a prideful heart. And a prideful heart will not be humble enough to put Jesus first. The, the scribes would not submit to Jesus' authority. They challenged His authority over and over again. Like the majority of the world today, they would not give their allegiance to Jesus. They were too busy clinging to what they had. Their, you know, their money and their power. Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, He said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's what the disciples had to do that heard Jesus speak. They had to deny themselves and, and take up his cross daily and follow him. And what happened? Every one of them suffered. John may not have been martyred. We're not sure about that, but the rest of them were killed for their faith, crucified, beheaded, run through with a sword. They all died because they were grateful to Jesus and they denied themselves. They had thanksgiving. That was, their offering of their own bodies was their thanksgiving offering to God. Just think of what the pilgrims gave. Our forefathers for the opportunity to worship God freely, 102 passengers were crammed together on the Mayflower in the, on the gun deck or the tween deck with no windows, no bathrooms, no private quarters, and a, a ceiling about five foot high for a rough trip across the North Atlantic that took more than two months at sea. It was disgusting. In their Mayflower compact, these people affirmed their faith and their reason for making this voyage, and here's what they said, having undertaken for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith and honor of our king and country. They wanted to bring the gospel to this new land. That's why they made a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. 
Our forefathers came to this country for the glory of God and the advancement of the gospel. And a year later, they held a feast. A feast of thanksgiving. Grateful for God's goodness and protection through that hard year. Uh, They denied themselves and followed Jesus. Could they have complained and turned back? Yes, they could have. When half of them died, you know, the, the first winter they were here, half of them died. Could they have become bitter and abandoned their faith and said, God must not love us, let's get out of here. Yes, they could have, but they didn't. Like the, and, the next, and the next year, in the fall, when they had an, some food, you know what they did? They gave thanks to God. Can you give thanks to God when things are going bad for you? Paul said, in everything, give what? Thanks. Like this poor widow, these poor suffering people, our forefathers remained committed to Jesus Christ and displayed their thankfulness to Him through their acts of faith with thanksgiving. Folks, when we give with a grateful heart, when we give sacrificially, we exhibit true faith in God. Even when things aren't going well. Especially when things aren't going well. You know, in all of those, in all the people Jesus met, the only thing that impressed Jesus, if you just think about it, we've been studying a lot of people, right? And all the people he encountered, those persons of interest, the only thing that impressed Jesus was their faith. Remember what he said? Your faith has made you whole. I have not found such great faith. Like this centurion. (laughs) When we give all to Jesus, that's an act of faith. And that's our faith principle today. Let's read it together. Ready? Let's go. A thankful heart is a product of faith, and true faith always produces a response of thanksgiving. We ought to remember that this year. From the widow to the pilgrims, down to us today. Being thankful will always lead us to acts of faithful giving. And acts of faith will always lead to the blessings of God. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, But this I say... He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God blesses us because he loves us. He loves us because we're His dear children. But when He gives to us as His dear children, He gives so that we can give. So that we can share Jesus with the world. If He gave you a voice, you know why He gave you a voice? To speak for Him. If He gave you hands and feet, you know why He gave you hands and feet? To work for Him. If He gave you resources. Do you know why He gave you resources? So you could use them to help others find Him. I, I don't know what happened to the widow who gave her all, but I can say with assurance that her, faith, her faithful God took care of her. We can never outgive the Lord. We can never outgive the Lord. He owns everything. 
And he has promised to take care of his children. And guess what? He has always taken care of his children. The stronger our faith, the more of ourselves we give. And the more we give of ourselves, the more thankful we become. Don't you see that? The more you give of yourself to Jesus, the more you recognize what he's done for you. And the more you just want to exalt him and praise him and lift him up before others. We are never more like Jesus than when we are giving of ourselves, when we're giving all of ourselves. You know, if you give all of yourself, you won't have anything left for the devil. You know that? When we give of our time and treasures for his glory and for his honor with thanksgiving, we will be blessed. And you know something? God, often in my life as I think back, God has often blessed me when I didn't even realize it was a blessing. (laughs) God has done something in my life, done something for me, a blessing, and I, I thought something bad was happening when it actually was something good. Has that ever happened to you? It's like this story of another widow I read, a poor old widow living in the Scottish Highlands was called upon one day by a gentleman who had heard that this widow was in need and he wanted to come help. And the old lady complained of her condition and remarked that her son was in Australia and doing well. But does he do anything to help you? Asked the man. And the the widow said, no, no, sir, he does nothing. He writes me a letter once a month. But all he does is send me a little picture with his letter. And the gentleman said, may I see one of the letters? And the lady, the little old widow gave him a letter. And he opened the letter and he read it. And then he saw the little picture. And it was a draft for 10 pounds. It was money. This widow, when she received the letters from her son, did not realize that that little picture was the money... That could help her. She didn't realize it. She didn't realize the value of it. How many people today are missing God's blessings because they don't realize what they have? God has given them so much, so many blessings, but they're not thankful for it. They don't even realize what God's done for them. They don't give glory to God. They don't express thanksgiving to God. Maybe they think what they've got is all they're doing. How ungrateful. When you sit down this week, to that turkey or ham, what will your attitude be? For what will you be thankful? Will you be able to see something God did and thank Him for it? To live life is a blessing from God. To have eternal life in heaven, well, that's priceless. (laughs) How grateful are you for God's goodness towards you. How are you expressing your thankfulness? Would you bow with me? Now, while we're just thinking for a minute, allow God to speak to your heart. Let me ask you a couple questions and just answer this if you can. Say, first of all, how much did Jesus give of himself? Everything, right? How much of herself did the widow give? How much? Everything. How much 
are you giving of yourself to God? When you're enjoying your Thanksgiving meal, are you going to be thankful? Is your life filled with thanksgiving to God or is it filled with excuses and complaints and grumbles and never able to see anything good that God has done? When people look at your life and hear your words, do they know that you're thankful? Does your faith lead you to be thankful and display that thanksgiving? Maybe you have a heart problem. A heart that needs to be corrected. God needs to do some heart surgery on you. And He wants you to have a soft heart, a humble heart. And He wants you to ask Him to forgive you for that terrible, ungrateful attitude you've had. And He wants you to tell Him that you really are thankful for His blessings. Maybe he wants you to start naming your blessings. Write them down if you need to. But start every day with your day when you get up in the morning. Start saying, thank you God for this and start naming some blessings. And maybe you need Jesus as your Savior. Why don't you pray with me and open your heart to him. Give him your heart today. He died on the cross for you. Shed his blood. Gave everything so you could get to heaven one day. Boy. He wants to come into your life. Let him in. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. I know you're real, Jesus. I just know it. And I ask you to forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart and be my Savior. Thank you for the price you paid for me. Thank you for giving everything for me. Right now... I give everything I am to you. I give you all my heart and life. And I want you to use me to help this world around me see a person that is thankful. Thankful to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul, for being my Savior. Boy, if you prayed that prayer, it's the greatest prayer you could ever pray. Don't forget this week to thank Him for His blessings on you. While we're singing, I'll be at the front to help you. Father, we pray in Jesus' name that every one of us, Lord, would allow you to do some of that heart surgery in us. And Lord, would allow our hearts to be more thankful, especially this week, Lord. We say we're celebrating Thanksgiving. Well, Lord, help us not just eat a bunch of stuff. Let's... Help us be thankful. Thankful. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing, Brother Steve. Stand with us as we sing together, Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Savior and Lord of my life.